0: morning. We're uh, continuing to look at at the book of Ruth. We're we're still going to look at one more week at uh, chapter one. We're going to look at verses 14 to 22. Um, But uh, as we think about improving ourselves in in our world today, there's all sorts of different apps for for everything, for self-improvement, right? But I, I have yet to see an app that helps us learn how to love people better, and I, I think that that, you know, is probably the thing that our, the people of our world need most to learn right now, is how to love one another. Um, that is absolutely one of the themes of the book of Ruth, is love. It's, it's how God loves his people, how God loves Naomi and Ruth. It's about how Ruth and Naomi love one another. Um, we're going to be introduced to a character, Boaz, in the next chapter, and, and it's about him loving Ruth and Naomi um, love is, is a theme of the book, and so this morning, what we're going to look at is really how Ruth, what Ruth has to teach us about how to love people in our own lives. So uh, listen to God's word. I'm, I'm going to just to just to catch you up. If you haven't, if you weren't listening in the last couple weeks, if you haven't uh, been with us the last couple weeks, uh, basically the book of Ruth begins with Naomi, who is married to a man named Elimelech. They leave Israel because there's a famine. They go to Moab in order to try to find food in order to try to live so they live there for a while and while they're there Elimelech dies and then their two sons die and all Naomi is left with is her two daughters-in-law Orpah and Ruth and they finally decide to, to come back to Israel to return to Israel and on their way back Naomi tries to convince them not to go with her to go back because they have a better hope for a future back in Moab and this is what happens next so listen to God's word And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Father, we pray that you would help us this morning as we look at these verses. Um, We pray that your spirit would lead us, that you would guide our thoughts and uh, our reflections on this passage. We pray that you would teach us what it means to love others and that you would grow us, that, that we wouldn't stay the same, that we would actually grow in our ability to love people as we look at this passage. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this young man looked at this teenage girl with, with concern, with pity, with, with condescension. And and he says, are you, are you sure you want to do this? Uh, It's, it's a scene from a, a recent TV show, a show on Netflix called Queen's Gambit about this young girl named Beth Harmon. Who uh, has a tragic childhood? Her parents are both killed in a car crash, and she grows up in an orphanage. And while in the orphanage, she learns that she has this incredible talent for playing chess. And so, when she's a teenager, when she's in high school, she learns that there's tournaments that you can go to and actually earn money. And so, she goes and enters her first tournament. She shows up at this this high school gymnasium, basically. And, uh, and, and the, she starts trying to register, and the, the guy there I- immediately finds out that she, she isn't ranked, she doesn't have any kind of rating, she's never been to a tournament before, and yet she wants to, and, and, she's, a, and she's a girl, she's a young girl, she, and, and she wants to play against the best players. And, and they're like, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you want to pay to enter? Give me a break. You have nothing to teach anyone here. And, but, but she insists, and she pays the money, and then she walks into the gym, this gym full of 99%, Men, all these chess players and, uh, who are serious about playing, and, uh, and most of them don't even look at her, don't even notice her. And the few that do just kind of look at her with arrogance, with, with scorn. You know, what can she possibly have to, to offer here? What can she possibly have to teach anyone here? We're just going to school her, you know. And, uh, and until she starts playing and, and she wins her first match and then she wins her second and she wins again and she wins again and she wins again and she wins again over the course of several days and finally she makes it to the finals against this guy who everybody knows who he is. He's well known. He's this guy on his way. He's, he's nationally, nationally known. He's on his way to becoming a master of chess. And again, he obviously just doesn't take her seriously. He shows up late. He uh, doesn't, again, doesn't think she has anything that she could teach him. And he's just gonna teach her everything about how really to play. And, and they sit down and uh, they start the clock and they, she, she moves her piece, he moves his piece. They start moving their pieces. And as they do, as the, as the chess match progresses, his attitude changes from uh, contempt and arrogance to concern and then to astonishment as she finally makes the final move and he realizes he can't win. And he knocks his king over and he concedes. And and all the men standing around, watching on, they all applaud. As they realize that this young girl who came in that they didn't think could teach them anything was actually the master that they should have been learning from. As we read the first chapter of Ruth, we see this woman, Naomi, who uh, is broken and hurting, who's been through a lot. And as she's coming back to Israel with her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, she does this incredibly loving thing where you know, she, she's willing to give up the one thing that she has going for her, this relationship with these two young women who can encourage her and support her and be with her. And she says, no, go back. Your only hope is to go back to Moab. She's willing to sacrifice that and give that up. And it's incredibly, an incredibly loving thing and, and, and kind of a, a decision to, to die to, to any hope for her future um, for their sake. And we're like amazed at, at how uh, loving Naomi is to these two women. And yet, as we see them respond, as we see Ruth respond in particular, um, that becomes a thing that, that, is, that is even more amazing. She, we, we realize that, that Ruth isn't the one who's learning how to love from Naomi. Ruth is actually the master of love in the way that she treats Naomi, and the way that she responds to Naomi. And so I want, what I want to do this morning is, is look at Ruth and how she loves Naomi and think about what, what is it she, that she has to teach us about how to love people in our lives and in practical ways. How can we grow at loving people better as we look at the way that Ruth loves? What can we learn from her? And as we we go through this, I want you to start thinking about who are the people that you have a responsibility to love in your life? The people that you live with, your family members, your friends, the people that you work with, Um, maybe the people that you don't even know. Maybe there are people that you're not even thinking about that you might have a responsibility to take steps towards and love. Um, think about these people as we think about what it means to love. And, and I'll just tell you right up front I am going to be shamelessly stealing a lot of this material from a guy named Paul Miller, who wrote a book called A Loving Life, um, all about the book of Ruth and, and, uh, and particularly um, what he has to say about how Ruth loves Naomi here. I'm stealing from him because I believe he's, steal- he's stealing straight from Scripture. <laughs> I think he's spot on in what he says about how Ruth loves Naomi. But I'd encourage you to read that book. Um, if you want to learn more about how to love people. but So what what does she have to teach us? One thing that we see here is that to love someone is to willingly take upon yourself limits. Love is incredibly limiting to your life. It it narrows your life. It, It confines you. It boxes you in. It's going to make your life narrower. As, as Naomi urges Ruth to leave her, Ruth makes this incredible statement. She even makes a vow. May the Lord do so to me, and more also. If anything but death parts me from you. Right? In verse 17. But, but she makes this incredible statement, starting in verse 16. And, and she sees Naomi trying to, to get rid of them, trying to shoo them away, trying to, you know, for their own good, go back to Moab. But Ruth, what she, she looks at Naomi, and she realizes What Naomi needs more than anything else right now, in the midst of her heartache, in the midst of her pain, is she needs someone to say, I'm not going anywhere. She needs someone that's going to say, I'm going to stick with you no matter what. And that's what she says, essentially, right? The very first thing that actually it talks about in verse 14, it says, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. That word clung is the same word that's used back in Genesis when it talks about Adam and Eve. Uh, the, the foundation for marriage. It talks about how a man will leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. You know, that, that, that commitment to attach yourself to this other person, no matter what. That's what Ruth is doing here with Naomi. She says, I'm, I'm going to glue myself to you. I'm going to super glue myself to you. You are not getting rid of me. You are stuck with me. And and in doing that, what does that do? That... that limits Ruth's life tremendously, radically, right? I mean, if, anybody, if anybody's been in a, or seen a three-legged race, you know, when you tie your leg to another person's leg, that limits your ability to move, right? That limits your freedom. In the same way, as as Ruth clings to Naomi, as she says... Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your, pe- your God, my God. I am, I'm all in. I'm attaching myself to you, I'm committing to you. And in doing that, I'm taking the consequences of the, the limitations that that's going to place on my life, of, of the I'm not going to have the freedom that I had before, because I'm committed to you, Naomi. That's what love does. It, it limits us. And, and as she keeps going on, it, she, she keeps boxing herself in more and more with every single statement, right? Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Where you stay the night, I will stay the night. Your people shall be my people. The people that are associated with you, I'm going to associate myself with them. However, my, however that might limit my life, your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. She even limits her life to the extent that it, it, this commitment goes beyond Naomi's life. You realize that? She is committing herself so fully to Naomi that, that she envisions her life being impacted by this after Naomi, after Naomi dies. That's where she's going to live and die, in that place. She has completely confined herself, limited herself by this, by this really practical decision to say, Naomi, you're not getting rid of me. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to be with you because that's what you need. You need someone that's not going to go anywhere. And this is what actual real love does. Love isn't just helping people out or being nice when it fits into our schedule or when it fits into your life. I've heard people talk about marriage and say, well, I, you know, I want to get married, but I don't know if I want to give up my freedom to kind of be my own person, you know, and make my own decisions (laughs) or people want to get married and they want to still kind of stay separate and be like, I'm going to, you know, I don't want to give up my freedom. (laughs) I want to do what I want to do. But that's not what love is. Love is giving up your freedom for the sake of this other person. Whether that's in a marriage or whether that's as, as parents or whether that's in a friendship or whether that's in, in just kind of a, an acquaintance as you, as you see a person who is in need for their good. It's to give up your freedom in practical ways, to limit yourself, to be willing to limit yourself. You know, when you, when you see somebody who's in need financially and you give towards that need, that's gonna limit you. You're not gonna be able to spend that money on yourself, right? That's going to narrow your life. As you see somebody who needs time, or, or a project that needs time, people who need help. That's going to limit your life because you're going to give up your own time. You're not going to be able to do what you want. Love is limiting. Um, just a kind of a, a silly example of this. Um, we we are we are constantly finding this out as both Kim and my Kim and I as we do foster care. Um, uh, just, uh, a, a couple weeks ago, I was talking to one of our, our, grown boys, you know, we're getting to that stage in life. I think we were watching a TV show or something like that, where they were talking about, you know, the parents had, had their kids moved out. And so they were deciding what to do with their rooms now. Right. And, uh, I was talking to one of our, one of our grown boys about this, you know, like, you know, our, our older boys are getting to the point where, where they're, you know, looking towards moving out and being on their own. And, and, uh, in normal circumstances, we would be like, what would we do with these rooms? I could make it into an office. I could make it into an exercise room. You know, right now we have an exercise bike in the middle of our living room. I could, I could have an exercise room, you know, that'd be pretty cool. That's what a lot of people think about and do, you know, when their kids are moving on. But, but we've, we've made this decision um, to invite these other people into our home and to live with us. And, and we don't have that option anymore, right? I mean, it's a silly example, but, but that's what love does. If, if you make a decision to love people, it narrows your life. It limits your freedom. Are you doing that? Or are you just kind of being kind to people, helping out when it fits in to your schedule, to your life? Secondly, we see that, that uh, love is incredibly lonely. It's incredibly lonely. Um, Ruth's speech is so incredibly beautiful as she, as she makes these pronouncements, starting in verse 16 and going into 17, that we I think some of us may miss the cost that goes along with this commitment that she makes to love Naomi. We miss the loneliness that she is experiencing, that she experiences, that she is likely to experience. I mean, think about it. First of all, she's a woman, a widow herself, in a living in a world that is absolutely dependent on men. People's livelihood, people's safety and security is dependent on men. That's what the culture was like then. And she and and Ruth makes this radical decision. Instead of going back to Moab to look for a man, she makes this radical decision to, to commit herself, to link her life to a woman. To another woman, to a widow, even to a woman who is living, who's going to be living in a state of incredible vulnerability, and and dependence on the pity and compassion of other people, she makes that decision. That's that's an incredibly scary, risky decision, a, a, a lonely decision, right? But on top of that, she's she's not just a woman, but she's she's a Moabite going back to Israel. As I mentioned last week, you know, the the Israelites and Moabites, you know, they didn't really think too highly of one another. And so as as Ruth goes back to Israel, she's very likely going to be facing prejudice, um, marginalization, people treating her as if she's invisible. And you even see that beginning to happen right here in this passage. It says in verse 19, the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem, and when they came to Bethlehem, The whole town was stirred because of them. The whole town sees them, Naomi and Ruth. But then the women, what do they do? They they just talk about Naomi. They just talk to Naomi. They they completely ignore this Moabite girl that's with her. But, But it gets even worse because look at how Naomi responds. When they say, you know, is this Naomi? And Naomi says in verse 20, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. And then she says these these words in verse 21 that had to be absolutely brutal for Ruth to hear. She says, I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. (laughs) Can you imagine how that felt? As Ruth stands there next to her, as Ruth has just committed saying, I'm going to cling to you. I'm going to go wherever you go. I'm going to stay with you, Naomi. And Naomi says... I've got nothing. It's as if Ruth's not even there. It's as if Ruth never—it didn't even like make this commitment to love her, to be with her, to support her. I mean, if 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 I was Ruth, it would it would be so easy for me to be like, oh, forget that, I'm going back. How lonely must that have felt? As a result of, of Ruth's decision to love Naomi, she was put in a position to feel absolutely alone. And that is the hard reality about love. Love isn't always going to leave us with warm fuzzies. Love is not always going to result in others appreciating how we have chosen to limit our lives for them. Love doesn't always have an immediate feel-good payoff. Love is hard. It's unappreciated. Sometimes it's even resisted. It can be frequently ignored. And so this is the thing, if if you hope to really love people, then don't do it with the expectation that that you're going to get a lot of attention and notoriety for doing it. That you're going to get a thank you. Because loving people means that often we're not even going to be noticed. We're going to be taken for granted. So love can be incredibly lonely. Lonely. And that brings me to my last point though, to to really love people, we need to link our love to something that lasts. We need to link our love to what lasts, what will satisfy our hearts rather than other people's opinions, other people's applause, other people's thanks. That's the only way we can love. Ruth has limited her life in a radical way by committing herself to Naomi, right? Not just while Naomi's alive, but even after she dies. And she does, does this incredibly risky thing without demanding attention, without demanding applause, without demanding even a bit of appreciation. How does she get the strength to love like that? And I think there's at least a tiny bit of evidence here that she has tapped into a power, a strength that is greater than those things that can sustain her, that will last longer than those things. She's getting her strength from God himself, from resting in God. How do I know that? Well, she has made this statement in verse 16. She says, in addition to saying, I'm going to stick with you, Naomi, she says, your God will be my God. So to a certain extent, she's recognized that, that she's shifted her allegiance from the gods that she grew up with to this new God, to the God of Israel. And there's even more evidence that, that she's kind of come to know a little bit about who this God is, the, about the, 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 the love of this God. When she makes this vow in verse 17, she says, May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. When she says, May the Lord do so to me, she uses the word Lord. That word Lord, again, is, is, tr- is a translation of Yahweh, the, the, the familiar, personal name that God has given to his people. It seems that that Ruth has has at least begun to, to, to get to know the God of Israel, Yahweh himself, to have a relationship with him to the point that she is actually drawing strength from him rather than how Naomi treats her, rather than how her life is confined and limited and not going the way that she would pick, probably. She has tapped into God. She has linked her heart to God and his love for her. And, and, and his, his greatness and his power and his faithfulness, she has linked her heart to him to, to draw upon that power to continue loving. And that's the only way any of us can love. We, we will only be able to love this way, to love in a way that takes on limits, to love in a way that may be incredibly lonely if we, if we link our hearts, if we link our, our lives to a power source that is sufficient to hold us, to 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 power us, to sustain us. I remember when we when we used to meet at the middle school many, many years ago, we used to park our, our trailer with all of our junk in it at the firehouse over here and, and we had this yellow beat up truck that I think Mark bought for like five hundred bucks. That that like ran for ten years. And it was amazing. Every Sunday it was just that, that faithful truck would drive up the street to to bring the stuff to the middle school and we'd unpack it every Sunday and then drive it back. But there were a couple times we showed up on Sunday morning and turned the key in the ignition and nothing happened. And uh the most obvious answer was that the battery was dead. And, and, and I remember the first time it happening when I was there, I was like, okay, we gotta, we got to get some jumper cables. I, I, I pulled up my little, I had a Nissan Altima, a little tiny you know car, pulled up next to it, connected it to the, this, this pretty big truck, and then turned the key, and all we got was click, 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 click. That's it. That's it. It wasn't going anywhere. Um, but it wasn't until, remember, Paul Kerr would pull up in his massive pickup truck. And we connect that thing to the uh, the, the yellow truck out there, and, and, we, and we'd start, we 'd turn the key and immediately boom it started right up because uh, trying to connect it to that little tiny car was not enough it wasn 't strong enough, and that 's the thing we need to connect our hearts to a a person that is strong enough, a person that is faithfulness, a person who will love us enough that that we will be content and satisfied and okay even in the midst of, of the loneliness of loving others and the limitations of loving others. We need something, you know, remember the the old uh, energizer battery commercials, you know, it keeps going and going and going and going. That is the love of God. That is the only way we can get the strength to love when we're not appreciated, when we're not noticed, when we're when, when People don't like how we're loving them. (laughs) And they resist it. The only way we will be able to love, to take on the limits of love and the loneliness of love is is to hook up the cables of our heart to the lasting love of God. If his love is sustaining me, then I am not preoccupied with how my life is being limited. I'm not preoccupied with how hard it is to love people. If his love is powering me, then I am never lonely. I know that he sees me. I know that he has loved me. I'm not alone because I realize that this is how God has loved me in Christ. Think about this. How has Jesus loved us? He has loved us by coming into our world and taking upon himself limits. The one who, who, through whom all of creation was, was made, the one for whom all creation has been made, the one who rules over all things, the one who deserves all glory, has limited himself by coming into our world and living as a creature, as a man, amongst people who are sinful, by suffering, by being rejected, by being overlooked, and eventually by being nailed to a cross. What's more limiting than that? He chose that for us. What is more lonely than what Jesus experienced on the cross? this man who experienced his entire life absolute intimacy fellowship with his father and then on the cross dying and crying out my God my God why have you forsaken me who is more lonely than that ever the way that Ruth is teaching us to love here is simply a preview of how Jesus loves And that is the love that will last, realizing that because of Christ, we have a God who has, like Ruth did with Naomi, who has clung to us and said, I'm not letting go. No matter how you might fail, no matter what you might have done, no matter what you might do, I'm going to hold fast to you. That is where we get the strength to love. And so let's rest in that, and let's really think critically about how we are loving the people in our lives. Are we willing to take upon limits the inconvenience of having less freedom in all sorts of different ways? Are are, are we willing to love even though it's hard and lonely and painful? Let's rest in the, the love of God that clings to us no matter what through the work of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us to See this fact that through the work of Jesus, through his life and his death and his resurrection, that we have been brought near to you as we've rested in what he has done for us and and that that you are holding fast to us. Father, we pray that 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 security, that certainty would be the thing that enables us to love. As Ruth loved Naomi as Jesus has loved us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. In response to God's word, let's take a moment to confess our sin, uh, to confess our failure to love, our failure to love God and love others. We're going to use the prayer that's printed in your order of worship, if you have that in front of you, or it's also going to be on the screen. So please pray along with me. O God of all grace, we confess that we are sinners, but in Christ you have given us a savior. Produce in us a faith to live by him, to make him our desire, our hope, our glory. Preserve us by his grace from this present evil world, so that its smiles never allure us, its frowns never terrify us, its vices never defile us, its errors never delude us. Cause us to live as strangers and pilgrims in the cities of this earth, knowing that our true citizenship is in the city of heaven so that all we do may be done to the Savior's glory, in whose name we pray. Amen. Father, we now take a moment in the silence to to privately confess our individual sin to you. Jesus, thank you for teaching us how to love. Thank you for loving us and holding fast to us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord.